0: welcome back everyone to a to z podcast an ultraman podcast where we talk about everything ultraman under the sun i am john and Orgime, and i'm joined as always by my lovely co-host
1: hello everyone i am dr Swoos, the science scientist the doctor of disaster and the madman without a plan and today we will be discussing some more ultraman orb but more specifically we'll be talking about the ultraman orb saga
0: ultraman orb the origin saga my friend
1: Yes, I left out a word. Wait, was there another yes. was there one that was just the saga? Uh,
0: the Chronicle, but that was a clip show. Yeah, so Either But way, there was an
1: Ultraman saga. It it was a technically it's all sagas. It's just
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're getting off the topic and we're on the top of the show. So uh Ultraman Orb the Origin Saga was a 12 episode miniseries that was that released on December 26th, 2016, um, on Amazon Prime Japan. It was uh targeted at like an older audience, but it wasn't as our listeners would know, like like Common Rider Amazon's targeted audience. It's not that. It's not like grim, dark, and gross for no reason. It's just we can cover more mature topics or um, mm-hmm. as opposed to having a, um, as opposed to having an episode of the week kind of format as Ultraman is in general. Yeah. Um, I was able to have more of like a through show, line plot. Yeah. This show had a very uh, serialized through line storyline um, for our, Western audience. Mill Creek Entertainment released it on Blu-ray last year for... And you can get it on Amazon for about 10 bucks at this point. It's a really cheap, affordable, and great deal. Not sponsored. Just a good deal. As for Ultraman Orb, Orb the Origin Saga, it was very much a story to begin guy's uh story you know
1: what i mean well as, it was... as the name implies it is exactly that is the origin like literally in the first five to ten minutes of the show we see guy getting his orb powers
0: right as you say we start with guy and juggler climbing the top of uh a mountain on planet 050 to obtain the power of light He sticks his hand in the circle of light and pulls out the orb caliber, which grants him the powers of Ultraman orb.
1: It's notable, though, that um, uh, Juggler actually beat Guy to the light, but for whatever reason, the light rejected him.
0: Yep. So let's get some general thoughts before we start kind of talking about the series. What was your first impressions upon watching this series?
1: What upon watching the saga? Like, okay, so I watched this after watching the um the show of Orb, of course, which I think is the best way to do it. Um, I agree. Like, even though this technically takes place beforehand, um, really there. It does answer a lot of questions you will have, I guess, that might formulate while you're watching Orb. Like, because clearly when you're watching Orb, there's, like, you have some questions. Uh, you'll wonder why things are the way they are. There are some character dynamics that don't... I, I won't say they don't make sense, but they're not explained, like, why they are the way they are. Mostly between, of course, between Guy and Juggler. And... um It's really, I think, like, you could watch this first, and there's nothing particularly wrong with doing it that way. But it's a lot more, I want to say, you get a lot more satisfaction out of it because you have a lot more aha moments or an ooh, so that's why. Like, it's kind of like that uh, light bulb moment where things start clicking together and you start understanding things.
0: Right. I, I would kind of equate this a little bit to, like, watching the prequel trilogy before the original trilogy with star Wars. Like you are watching it chronological order, but you kind of ruin some of the surprise of finding out like, Oh, I am your father. You know, if you are someone who have has never seen star Wars before, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of part of the zeitgeist. And I wouldn't really consider that a spoiler to this point, but every now and then you will find people who have never seen star Wars and who don't know that. But I would say watching the original trilogy before the prequel trilogy is a better watch experience in my opinion. Yeah. So I would also equate like watching the orb series proper before orb the origin saga.
1: Yeah, I, I see that reasonably as well. I mean, I think we both have different reasons why we think it's a superior method, but ultimately, I think the feeling is conserved between the two of us.
0: Yeah. Um. And I would always, uh, I would always recommend people watching things in, um, chronological order as it came out like production chronological order, not necessarily chronological order in the timeline that they set up because they, a lot of times with series like that, when they're different creators in one part, they might be alluding to something. And then the part that comes out after, but takes place before they might forget an element or whatever and ruin part of the surprise that's supposed to be a surprise later on.
1: Right. Like, and also since, like, when things are made later on, there's always the mindset of, um, oh, well, we don't really have to worry about spoiling anything from the show itself because it, it is also usually things like that, even if it's a prequel, is assumed you did watch the original show. So right. certain things that might be a big <gasps> moment aren't exactly handled with care.
0: Yeah. I would agree to that. Um, And I guess my first reactions to this was I really enjoyed it. Um, I got kind of hooked in the serialized aspect of the narrative because with Ultraman, you a lot of times get like a contained story in each episode, especially with like showa stuff. It's like we we had a discussion on this before, where it's like its own proper meal, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But and then with stuff mo- most recent, you would get two parters, sometimes a three parter, but a lot of times there are those self contained episodes with this series it's not that at all. It's just one continuous story. So there's not like a real good stopping point. And I found myself just like binging through the whole thing. And I think I watched this whole series in like two days.
1: Um, I think I watched it all in a day more or less.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a really good story. And um, I guess I could talk about this right here. One of the first uh, reactions I had when watching this was confusion. Because when I watched Orb, the series proper, I thought that this show was going to be about Natasha and some of the flashbacks we saw in Orb. Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to cover that in this area. But we don't. It's its own thing that takes place way before any of that happens.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh um, yeah. Like when it says origin, it means origin. Like I guess as when you said kind of like a spoiler, I don't think Natasha's even in the saga if I remember. She's not. Yeah, like that stuff happens way later, I guess.
0: Yeah, and then this is kind of when. Googling around trying to figure out why that's the case. That's when I discovered the whole tip ten episode chronicle thing that we'll eventually cover where this is just chapter one in a ten part saga, you know, and half of that stuff never actually got made. So
1: You think it's going to at this point? I don't think it will.
0: I don't think it will either. Um, I wish this this is my wish. I wish someone like really talented would do a illustrated, like, graphic novel of each of those chapters as their, like, own book and have it translated in English in addition to its native Japanese and just do, like, a manga.
1: light um, novel, maybe.
0: Yeah, or as long as we could read it, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, in a, just any digestible form that's, like, you can read it or you can, like, experience it and you can get what's going on. I would like that. I I would like the um, overarching parts I got missed to um to be presented in some way. Heck, even the the road shows that technically are part of the canon, but we don't see. Would be nice to have like a serialized novel form.
0: But as far as the ten episode chronicle that we were talking about, we do kind of know what is in those because there were interviews with the creator as well as, like, screenplay parts added, and we kind kind of get a gist of where they were going to go with the story. So I do want to go through all of that at some point, just to kind of be somewhere where someone could sit there and, like, okay, I I can listen to this and kind of fill in the blanks as opposed to have to track all that down and read each of those parts. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So getting back on topic here, um, for a little uh, general thoughts here, let's talk about the theme songs real quick. And yes, I did say songs plural. This is the only series to my knowledge Of Ultraman that has more than one theme song opening.
1: I don't know why it had two. It it was like such a short little thing, and it had two different uh, theme songs.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, kind of where the theme song breaks, it's almost like a first half and a second half that are two distinct chapters.
1: Yeah, I I guess... I, I I'll agree to that for some reason. um they the way they chose to to narrate or the narrative of or- origin saga, it really does feel like it's hit, it is hits you in two different parts and segments. And yeah. the easiest way to tell like when there's a shift is like when they change the openings because there at that point, there really is a not really a t- shift in tone, but there is enough progression made in the story that That's it pathetic. feels like something different going on
0: exactly like a shift in setting as well
1: yeah even some of the um, characters have all been shifted by that point yeah
0: we'll we'll get into that a little bit but um i want to talk about the theme songs yes so course. the first theme song i really like it it's mm-hmm. a good just overall theme song but the second theme song true fighter is like my favorite theme song it's my second favorite ultraman theme song right behind ginga no uta ginga's opening yeah it's such a good song i love it but i have seen like general um like general opinions that the majority of people actually like the first song more than the second
1: um I'm also one of those people I thought I like the second song it typically with how I like theme songs and intros I you would have think at least for me I would have liked the second one more because it has a lot more of a, the rock undertones that I typically like but I just really like the first one it was a good like light lighty opening I think what it really is might be a bit of a, um, the matchup of visuals to the song itself because I think mm. at least creation wise the uh, um, cinematic visually the opening for the first one fit a lot better with like the tone of the song and it had like it had big ultraman energy i guess is one way to say it
2: <laughs> big ultraman energy.
1: and um the second one <laughs> while it the song and the tone of it were thematically right i don't know it just i think the uh the first one meshed well to more well together than the second one did so like i think in part when trying to enjoy openings like there really is a visual element. Like I think if like you just let me listen to both of the songs, I would like the second one more. But having a reference of seeing both of the openings at like side by side, I think I like the first one better.
0: Okay. And see for me, I'm not taking into the account the visual aspect. I'm I'm just judging it on song in my playlist as I'm doing other things and when that song comes up, I'm jamming. You know what I mean? That's my that that's where i'm looking at it and i can see where if i was judging it in that aspect i'd agree with you
1: yeah but i think they're both still good songs either way you look at it like I, like all of orbs media i think is good in some form it's just some of it's more good than other
0: yeah and or better <laughs> more good um
1: yeah and i think
0: that itself is evident because orb was what brought in a huge wave of new Ultraman fans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, At before that point, Ultraman wasn't doing so hot at that time, but following after orb sales has exponentially increased all the way up to current year. And it's just, like, a line going straight up. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, like, a bit of inside baseball, I suppose, in the uh, marketing world of Ultraman. Uh, ever since, I think, 2016 was the date, uh, Ultraman as a series has seen an uptick in sales every single year.
0: Yeah, and 2016 was the year that Orb came out. hmm Yeah, um... As far as the suits, in this one, we only really see Orb in one suit, and it's not any of the ones that we've seen thus far. We see him use the Orb Caliber to transform as opposed to the Orb Ring because he's not using any fusions. The Orb Caliber transforms him into a red version of the orb origin form. So what we know as his true form from the series proper, mm-hmm. we see it as like an incomplete uh, like a incomplete form. It's it's all red. It doesn't have any of the black aspects in his suit. And I think it looks really slick. I think it looks really good.
1: I'm going to be real with you. I didn't notice the first time. You didn't notice? I didn't notice no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Actually, um I think you're slightly wrong on the description too of the suits. Because the um the origin one does have some black on it, and it's almost completely color swapped in some ways. You no, I did type, say type
0: of, I hmm? did say Orb Origin has black on it. That's what I said. What I'm talking about, Orb Origin. Well, and that's what I'm first. saying. The
1: Orb Origin saga compared to orb Origin suit, um, there are tiny bits of black on the mainly red suit, but that's com- but that's actually swapped on the. Uh, origin form like those tiny bits of black are now red and they're and the big red splotches are mostly black they're not exactly one-to-one scale um color swaps but they are um there are a lot of color swapped parts
0: oh okay i see there's very 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 small aspects yeah of black in the suit yeah yeah, I see it. Okay. Well, to be honest, I didn't actually notice the tiny little black details in that. I'm just like, oh, where there was black, there's red. And that, that was the most I did any uh, looking
1: into it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's, it's crazy the details you miss and the details you pick up on in the moment. Especially like when you yeah. watch the... Like I said, I watched all this really quickly together. And um, right, I also had to watch it while kind of half having to pay attention to other things, so that yeah. might attribute it, but still I feel like there's not a really a good reason for me to have missed such a big color difference.
0: Right. That's fine. And That's I did funny. I did watch so I, I've I've seen this twice now. I've seen it I saw it when I was first getting into Ultraman. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it back again, maybe less than a year ago, when the Blu-rays came out. I rewatched it, so I've I've seen it two times at this point. Um, but yeah, that's as far that's all there is. As far as like gimmicks or anything like that, because, like like I said, this one was a Japanese Amazon Prime um, specific series so they weren't really trying to sell toys like the series proper was. Yeah. Uh, Would you like to move on to Monster Designs?
1: Yeah. Sure we can move on to the Monsters. I mean, really, because we, we asked for our topic. Like, that was just the one form. Well, it's the one form for Orb, anyway.
2: Technically, yeah, there were some I other guessed...
1: interesting non-kaiju suits, I think, from Orb of Origin Saga. Yeah, and we'll mention those when we get to characters. Well, um, do we want to talk about... Are we only talking about Orb forms right now, or do we want to talk about the other uh, Ultras?
0: We're just talking about Orb. Uh, we'll talk about the other Ultras and characters. Okay. But as far as... I, I, w- I do want to make one correction. Yes. At the end of the show, we do see him gain the black in his suit as the regular origin suit that we know from know of. But like I said, that's at the very end of the series, and I don't we don't even see him fight in that suit. So I, I just wanted to make that little correction there. As far as uh, monster suits, the most prominent kaijus we see are these giant black and red flying bugs things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. They call them the Berezb. Like, Bezelb. Bezelb. Bezelb.
1: Yeah, like Beelzebub, "beelzebub" type bug. Things. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. They're trying to pull a word from like the word "beelzebub." Beelzebub. It's such a hard word to say.
1: Yeah, it's probably hard to say even in Japanese too, because they they weren't trying to like. See what was it? I think they're just space demons, is what they ultimately just called them in short.
0: Yeah, uh, like like they say, bezebu. I'm just going to call them the flying bugs. So I don't oh, yeah, have to keep worse. repeating that. <laughs> and then we later see the
1: queen uh Bezelbs. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call her the queen. <laughs> yeah, we we got the queen of the bugs. Yeah, they they they're very ugly.
0: They're creepy looking and especially when she gets um, a new form. It's, it's pretty gross. But. Huh, I, I, I can't say those words very well.
1: Sound it out. It's fine.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah. So she. We'll, we'll see her come up. Um. As far as other kaiju we see, those are the the main new ones we see. And we'll see other older kaiju from other shows them reusing the suits. But this time, they're being poisoned by a toxin called kugutsu, which is... A toxin that allows the queen of the bugs to control those kaiju, almost like a hive mind.
1: Yeah, and there are some um, like returning, or I guess more popular, like returning uh, kaiju that show up. Like I know Bimstar was one of them, right? And I think a a birdon as well is one they used.
0: Yeah, Burdon shows up.
1: Uh, which one was uh, your favorite that they kagutsu'd?
0: Uh, I don't really remember the entire list of monsters that got. Well, no one juice. of
2: your favorites is
1: on there. Is it? Uh, Gysera. You know the fish boy.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot he was in this. Yeah. Yeah, I li- I like that one. Um it's mainly because of the coloration and I like it, it reminds me of um it, it reminds me of Oragon. But as like a kaiju version of it. Does that make sense?
1: It reminds you of who?
0: Uragon. The Say, the one that's. The the, it's like Lagoon, but Uragon. the uh fish, looking, person.
1: Oh Monster. yeah yeah I know the one you're talking about
0: Yeah that's why that's why I like uh Gesura, because it reminds me of um him but like a kaiju version cuz it's got different proportions but it also has like that amphibious face looking
1: Yeah, but usually their episodes go hand in hand. I think in ultras, don't they? As I well. don't necessarily know if that's true, but well, they didn't one of the series. I don't... Which one was it? Like it was the one where the I think it was in a war, wasn't it? Where like uh, we saw the the kid version of that of the Lugan one, and then it um, the whole thing was they got chased out of the the bay by the uh, Guccera.
0: Was uh, was I think that was that, was that in the, the same? Thing? I don't think that was in the same episode, was it?
1: Maybe I'm combining. I don't things. know. We're
0: getting. I don't. I don't know. We're getting. We're getting off topic here. Um, we'll we'll just kind of.
1: The point it. is, a lot of the kaiju suits for Orb Origin Saga were just old kaiju suits that were painted darker colors to represent being controlled by the Queen.
0: And it's a great way to save money. <laughs>
1: Which they're very good at doing. To be yeah. Fair. Sub-
0: Suburai is really good at uh saving money. Yeah,
1: saving money in ways that don't really cause a lack of quality.
0: Right. And then um, the last little new suit we see is called Psy Queen, which is the queen bug form fused with our main bad guy of the series. And we will talk about that one in the character section, which we can move on to.
1: Yay. Now we get but to talk about as... the good bits.
0: Yeah, let's start with uh, our good guys. Let's start with uh, guy, our good guy.
1: Ha ha ha, ha Well, we can pretty much just gloss over this one, though, because it, it, he's just orb. he He's a fledgling yeah. orb. He's... He's a little wet behind the ears. He's not as sure as himself as he is by the time we see him in Orb Origin Saga. But uh, other than that, he's still pretty much the exact same guy. Yeah,
0: he is. Um, and this is where we can talk about Juggler because the the interesting part with these characters are, necess- are are pretty much the relationship between the two. Because in the series proper, they're adversaries. But in this show... They are still really close friends, almost like brothers in arms, you know?
1: Rivals, more like, I guess.
0: Yeah, and obviously, Juggler is mad that the light chose Guy first, but that's not enough to make him just abandon his friend. He still goes with his friend and kind of helps him, helps guide him on the journey of becoming a giant of light.
1: Yeah. Like as soon as he gets going, it's like the first thing he does is like, Hey, I'm going to go with you. Cause like we're, we're in this together.
0: Exactly. And he, um, he,
1: he kind of has a bit of a superiority complex though. Cause like he, he still is like in the back of the mind. It's eating him up. That was like, Oh, I'm better than him. Why did he get chosen? That type yeah. of um, relationship is also present,
0: and it starts to get like, uh, he starts to push those feelings down. You know, he he kind of um pushes those feelings down to where they start to bubble up and surface later on in the series and later on in the story as a whole. You know.
1: Hmm. Like it, it's things that you can kind of see like on the surface as the show starts, but like they really start to come to a head as the um series is reaching its climax.
2: Yeah,
0: and um, another aspect of how how uh juggler is reacting in this story is his relationship with a new character that we'll see,
1: um, come up. Well, we can talk about them now if you want.
0: Yeah. Uh, before we talk about those sisters, let's talk about, um, Amate. She is the queen of this planet called Kanon. And in this planet, there is, they, they were, They're protected by this war deity.
1: Well, it's more than that. It's more like a bloodline thing as well. Right.
0: It's a bloodline of the royalty. And she is the one that's supposed to become the war deity. But she's very hesitant because in this, she thinks she's going to lose herself in becoming this thing.
1: Well, it's more so than that. Her mother also became the war deity at one point.
0: And I think she sacrificed herself. For
1: yeah. That, right. I, I don't remember. They made it seem like the the mere act of becoming the war deity was um, I like guess, a sacrificial act of in itself. Like once you do yeah. it, you just can't come back from it. But I don't right. think that was necessarily the case.
0: I think like, yeah, you're right the show kind of like treats itself as her becoming the war deity is a death sentence, but Mm. it doesn't actually unfold like that, but that's kind of her apprehension because the first part of the show that we see her, we see that she's struggling with this duty to her people to become this war deity and to protect them from the oncoming um, threats but she also doesn't want to lose herself in that as well.
1: And part of it, too, is she does have trauma from her mother becoming that and seeing firsthand the the consequences of becoming the deity.
0: Right. Um. We also see a lot of the main characters we see are her... Circle, you know, we w- w- the characters we see around her. We see this, um, this older gentleman, and then we see these warrior sisters. Their names are Mikoto and Rika. We also get this male, um, warrior named Shinla, and he is probably the one that we'll see a lot more of and those are all of the other advisors and stuff like that we see they don't get major roles but these are the major players that we'll see moving forward
1: Mm -hmm. you know something else i just kind of realized now um there are major themes in the orb organ saga that have to do with power and the sense that like what what people will do to obtain power, what power does to people, and circumstances to obtain it and what's done with it.
0: Yeah. And you, you see that reflected with the the villain as well. hmm Not just with Juggler's relationship with Guy. We see that with uh, Amate and her duty. And we see that with the villain as well. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's some keen op- observation you got there. And then we can move to. Um, I guess we'll talk about the sisters a little bit more when we break down a little bit of the, like story. So we can let's let's talk about the uh, villain, Doctor Psyche. Right. He he's the one that. He's the major big bad that we follow through.
1: And he's and there also, the whole time.
0: Yeah, he's he's there the whole show. And he has this little companion robot named Paruteru. Park I I don't know how you would say that. I think Maybe it's, part- it's supposed to be like
1: particle. Is that his name or particle? Something like that. But
0: the Japanese is Paruteru.
1: Part- so I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what a, what a, However, you want to anglicize that pronunciation. I'm just going to go with Paruteru because it's the easiest for me to say. Um, but he's, like, this weird, like, geometric shape thing where he's got, like, this big old block and he's got, like, these cube ears yeah, floating like, around. He's got, like,
1: like his gold His head is this big eyes. silver orb. He has these star eyes that kind of, like, spin around his face and, like, yeah, attached it's... to, like, in Mickey Mouse fashion are these two cubes.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a weird design, to be sure.
1: It's Interesting. Yeah.
0: But in Dr. Psyche, he has these weird ear things.
1: Well, I think that has to do with, like, they wanted to emphasize he's an alien without yeah. having to do much to a person. Basically, he's a person, but he's
0: wearing a headband. And there's these ear things hanging off the side of his face that look like hands cupping his face. They do kind of look like hands. So, for me... And granted, this character's played over the top. So I don't think you're necessarily supposed to take him too seriously. But I have a hard time taking what he's saying seriously. Because I just... When I'm looking at him, I just see these weird hands cupping his face.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. So...
0: We, as we go through this story, we see two returning Ultramen in the first part of Cosmos and Dinah. And both of their actors reprise their roles as such. And they help guide Guy through his learning how to be an Ultraman. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's pretty cool to be able to see um these characters come back and reprise their roles. I always love seeing past Ultraman come back
1: and like play roles and stuff.
0: Yeah, it's 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 fun, it's great. Um as far and then and then we move on and later on when we go to Earth and meet up with our other characters, we also get two more Ultramen. That being Gaia and Agudu.
1: And for them, it's almost a bit more like they have a bit more of a one-on-one relationship between Guy and Juggler. So,
0: speaking of our other Earth characters, the only two that really matter is this uh, guy named Shohei, and this uh, girl named Yui, and they're kind of like scientists or whatever. And their their efforts on Earth connect to what's going on on Planet Canon And let's we let's move away from the character specifically and talk about the story as a whole to kind of draw, kind of pull these together these threads together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, as far as the story is concerned, like I said earlier, this one's a lot more serialized. So, there's a whole lot more plot elements as opposed to a general like, compare it to Orb the series proper. Orb Orb, uh, the series is you get an episode and this is the plot for this episode and we might have a little through line that kind of carries us through and we'll get a few minutes here and a few minutes there with those characters and kind of moves through. But this one, it's just, it's almost like they just cut the story off at 30 minutes you know, it's like it's almost like it's just one long continuous thing and they just kinda chopped it up as they were going through. You know well, what I
1: mean? Chopped it up makes it sound like um they just haphazardly are like, Oh, here's thirty minutes, let's end it here. But uh But no, they they flowed it in such a way that every episode just about left you on a cliffhanger and you wanted to watch the next episode. Yeah, and that's that's kinda what I mean,
0: you know, that it's what I, what I was meaning is they were kind of cutting it off at a point to where it didn't feel like it was concluded. So, yeah. that 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 kind of leans in the the what you were saying with each episode kind of ending on what's like a cliffhanger that kind of makes you want to continue, which is a great way to make you want to binge a show. It's also absolutely infuriating uh, infuriating when You have to wait for a week to
1: see what happens next. I can assume so, but um, I didn't have to do that, so hey.
0: Yeah, me neither. Um, I'm more or less commenting on that with, like, other shows. Not necessarily Ultraman-related. But, yeah, so there's kind of four main stories that are going on consecutively. We get the guy and juggler stuff. We meet Amate, and we see what's going on on planet Kanon. We get Dr. Psyche, his ship, his um, his robot friend, and the kind of plan he's putting together. And then we cut to Earth, and we see Shohei and Yui um discovering what we see to be a seed of Yggdrasil.
1: Now, tell me what you thought about that subplot, because honestly, I almost feel like it was unnecessary and they could have done something slightly different.
0: Uh for for the earth
1: part? Yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Cause while I felt like those parts of the episode and like the this is why we're not like structuring episodes um like we did in our last episode because these elements it's like it's hard to say what happened in what episode because it's just these four consecutively running lines and yeah. they converge in parts so it's it's really hard to say, oh, did that happen in episode five or did that happen in episode six? It's it's a little hard to separate that stuff. Yeah,
1: even even in like the, the tonal shift or the plot shift of the show that happens in midway, it's sometimes hard to remember like what even happens on each side of that shift sometimes. Because even though it's like the, the through lines still exist. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question,
0: I think while i did enjoy the la- the latter half of the series i might have actually enjoyed the latter half more than the 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 previous half but getting to that getting to the point where we then go to earth and see that i do feel like when we switch to um shohei and yui's story it almost is jarring because, because all three of uh, the other three threads that we're following all take place in space, mm-hmm. so it's not so much a drastic shift as we're seeing. Oh, over here, guy and juggler are doing this, and then over here, this is what's happening on planet count. Um, when we shift to Earth, it's like, okay, let me, let me, okay, pause. We're back to Earth. Okay, now let's see what's going on. And then we go back. You know, it's, it feels jarring. So I agree with what you're saying that it felt like, did you say unnecessary? Is that how you? Um, yeah, like it felt like really weird. Right. So while, while I could agree with you in an aspect that, yeah, it, I wouldn't necessarily say unnecessary, but it was jarring in the flow what ends up happening as a result of that I really enjoy so I I don't know how to land on that I don't necessarily think it was unnecessary it's just maybe it could have been structured differently to prevent it from feeling so jarring when switching like for example um Never mind. I'm not going to use that example. Okay. Uh, the The example I was going to use was going to use Wandavision, but I don't think you've seen that yet. And I, I have, I have it seen you.
1: it, but at the same time, uh, I I don't know if just randomly dropping spoilers for Wandavision in an Ultraman podcast are the best is the best move. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I'm not going to drop any
0: spoilers, but for anybody that's sensitive to Spoilers, or more so, just don't want to hear anything about it. Skip like five minutes or something. Just give me a second. I want to draw a parallel. Okay. Um, As far as... So, the first three episodes is that thing. And then the fourth episode does a whole different thing. hmm I think if they had done all of the space stuff in the first few episodes and then do one whole episode where we are, where that whole episode is just us watching what's going on with Shohei and Yui on earth to get us to the point right before they connect. Then it might actually flow better instead of like if WandaVision Vision spliced parts of episode four throughout episodes one, two, and three. Does that make sense?
1: Uh yeah, more or less. I see what you're mean. Like instead of like just like peppering in these points here and there, they should have just uh waited to like a good like or created a good stopping point per se and then just dropped it on us all at once of what's happening and then us uh, sw- uh, switch gears back to what's going on. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So instead of sp- instead of us just like talking over this, let's kind of throw out exactly what's going on in the story, and then we can double back and talk how we feel about it.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: Um. So, like I said, four main, uh, four four main storylines branching, and then they kind of converge. Um, so after Guy and Juggler, they get their first mission, uh, mission, they, they go and they wind up on like this desert like planet where he comes across this kid and he basically carries around this kid for, I guess the episode, or I don't know exactly where it cuts off, but he finds him, he finds like other of his species, I guess.
1: Right. Cause he, it's and, one, and one, it one of situations like, where he looks human, but he's an alien. And he has like one thing that's different about him. I think.
0: Yeah. It's like, let's slap this one, like prosthetic on you. So, so the audience knows, Oh, you're not alien, but you're human. Like
1: you are alien. I'm y- yeah. You're not
0: human, but you're yeah.
2: There we you go. know what I
0: meant? You know what I meant?
1: Anyway. Um, but yes, anyway. So um they do yeah, that. Um, so uh, interestingly, where... I want to say something. Um Go ahead. The first time Guy ever transforms into Orb, uh, he's like half-sized. Right. it's like the um it's it's weird that they do it this way, I and mean, it's interesting that they show it can be done this way. But the first time he transforms, like the the kaiju he's fighting is actually smaller. Like it's still bigger than a person, but it's not the gigantic normal ultraman sized fights we're used to seeing so he transforms into it and then like the second time he has to transform like he's like only half size still he's like uh okay and then he has to get bigger
0: i think i think juggler mentioned something about it i think he was saying something that it's like about concentration like when when he becomes when he turns big he has to be concentrating to get to the right size which is kind of an interesting like we like lore i guess yeah. it's like a weird detail that wasn't necessary but it has interesting implications for the for the series as a whole agreed and i i really appreciate those little things cuz th- those are those little nuggets of lore that just let you think about it for a while.
1: Some things that could be true of all Ultraman and we never really got info on it before, but now it's like, oh, okay.
0: And it might be able to explain why for example, um Seven and Zet are able to do human-sized fights. Right. But anyway, um Yeah, so we we that fight you're talking about is where he fights one of the kaiju that are infected with Kugutsu. And that's kind of how guy and juggler get wrapped up in that part of the plot.
1: Um, and then it uh, really does like that fight is in itself, not too significant, I think in overall scheme of the through lines, but it does, it is the starting point of what drags them into the overall plot.
0: Right. And then on planet Kanon, we see Amate, as you were saying, uh, because of the fate that her mother saw in how when she became the war deity, she uh, Amate is struggling with this duty that she has to become the war deity because she must protect Yggdrasil, which... Yggdrasil, as if you know in Norse mythology, the world tree, the source of life itself. Um in on Planet Kanon, Yggdrasil basically slapped that in the middle of their city slash civilization. And they have prospered being in the presence of Yggdrasil. Like it's the reason why they were able to thrive.
1: think about how in um Genga s how the underground civilization prospered with the uh presence of the crystals same thing,
0: yeah, exactly um, I actually didn't think about that parallel, but yeah you you got that one right um we see that <laughs> Help me remember real quick. Okay. How exactly does Guy get to Kanon? Are they just flying? And is this when Dr. Psyche Um, is attacking the planet and they hear like a cry of help and then they go and just kind of get involved? Or uh, were they following one of the bugs and the bugs landed, went to Kanon? I can't remember. Oh, that's what you mean.
1: Um, Let's see. I think at first, before they actually got to Canon, like, once they got to Canon, they started traveling around with spaceships, I think. Yeah, they were. But before yeah, they then, were, they were actually traveling, uh, like, using the orb caliber, was <laughs> or just, like, pulling them along.
0: Oh, so did the orb caliber just spit them out on that
1: planet? The first planet, yes, but I don't remember if that's how they went from the first planet to Kanon. For, uh,
0: like, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly how they wind up from the desert planet to kanon itself
1: i want to say they used a spaceship but now that you were talking about it i don't remember either i mean that's not like a huge deal i guess so it's not something i i paid attention to i suppose i mean i know they got from there to there um it's just with this with this show it's there's so many things going on, it's easy to get lost in, like, the minutia of certain things. Exactly.
0: And, and that that's that's kind of what I'm trying to illustrate here is, like I said, with other shows, you know, it's easy to follow. You know, it's self-contained with each episode for the most part. I mean, there are through lines that come through, and those are part, part of the aspects of the show that I enjoy the most is the through lines. But this one, it's there's just so much going on. It's hard to keep track with where this person is and where this person is, and there are multiple universes, um, and then they're on this one side of the universe, and then this Earth because this Earth
1: is not the same
0: Earth that Orb goes to in the show, the Orb, uh, the Orb show proper.
1: So you know, it it's it... none of the earths are ever the same
0: right it's just it's there's a lot going on, so it's hard to remember exact exact little details like that so forgive us for that, but somehow through means I think it's either they're chasing one of the bugs and the bug takes them to Canon because they're At this point, Dr. Psyche is like threatening the planet and he's just like going back with the reinforcements or they beat that and then they're flying through and he hears like a scream of help and he flies to that planet. Cause sometimes they do that where like, for example, in one of the zero movies, he's like flying through and then he hears like someone screaming from help and then he just goes to a random planet.
1: Yeah, that um something like that does seem familiar, but I don't remember if that's exactly what they did for that one.
0: Yeah, so I guess we could just move on a little bit from that, but that that is our other aspect and then as we said on Earth, we've got uh Shohei and Yui and they're scientists. I don't know exactly what kind of scientists they are or even... I think even... they
1: were researching ancient civilizations because if I recall um, like I said, the, the tree of Yggdrasil grew on that earth as well for like the second half of the plot, but um, they discover the seed while they were doing some kind of sea exploration in a submarine
0: Right, right. That's, that's what I was getting at they, they find the seed underwater but they don't know it's a seed of Yggdrasil they don't know it's a seed at all. They just see this weird thing underground and they decide to bring it with them. So then it's in their like sh- their their lab and um
2: it's directly related where, to the other
0: one. Exactly. This is kind of where it starts bleeding episode by episode because it's like we'll get one scene with them doing one thing here and then we'll switch over and do one scene from somewhere else but at some point they Shohei becomes telepathically connected with Amate through the seed of Yggdrasil
1: yeah, like he, I think it's like the first time he physically touches it is when it happens. Okay. But like, I think like that's like what happens. Like he touched it and like it released some kind of energy or something. Or maybe it started oh, glowing because yeah. it was already beginning to react to the other one. And But right. I do know that it, coming into contact with it is what did it at first. And I, if I recall correctly, he at first wasn't talking to her. He was just getting like weird visions and stuff. Like he was actually seeing what was happening on the other side.
0: Yeah, and they, I don't know if they were locking him up or if he was in a hospital room, but he's in this, like, white room, and then he just, like, starts drawing on the walls and the ground, almost in, like, one of those psychotic break kind of things, and he keeps doing this, like, infinite I- infinity
1: sign. Is that what he was doing? Yeah, or was it was, it like... like, one sign in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, like, when he first touched it, like, it wasn't just a, like, a, oh, I'm connected now. I think you're right. I think when he first came into contact with it, it literally, like, blew him back against the wall. And then, like, when he woke up, he got, like, a Sharpie and started drawing on shower curtains.
0: Yeah, weird. It it was, like, I don't know if it was, like, supposed to, like, emulate, like, possession or just, like, the knowledge or maybe it's, this is it, maybe it's like the knowledge of like the world tree, kind of like the whole Adam and Eve thing, like kind of like, like screwing with his brain. Um, like, oh, I, you're not supposed to know this knowledge or
1: something. In a very, very poor juxtaposition, the only thing I can think of to relate to it was, um, if you've ever seen the second uh, Bayformer movie, Uh, when Shia LaBeouf oh. touched the fragment of the um Allspark, he started doing that stuff. oh man i cannot
0: believe in an episode about Red orb we talk about wandavision and transformers revenge of the fallen (laughs) look you want me to talk about common rider uh well i mean i've already done the obligatory drop the reference of common rider in the beginning of the
1: episode yeah i didn't even do that this i didn't even do it this time i mean brought it up today I did. I was referring to Amazons. Yeah, I know. <sighs> we're we're developing a pattern here. <laughs> Look, it's easy to talk about things in relation to other things. It's how you, like, line things up in your mind to be like, okay, so this is what I'm looking at in this situation. Because uh, really, it's yeah. a very similar situation. Like, not entirely, because he's not mentally linked, but it's like imprinted knowledge or something.
0: Right. Um... But yeah, as far as as far as the the, the rest of the story goes, it's like Doctor Psyche wants to destroy the World Tree, and he eventually is successful.
1: Wait, no, he doesn't but... want to destroy it. He wants the fruit from it. Oh, is it the bug that wants? To... Is it the queen that wants to destroy it? I don't think either of them want to destroy it. Cause remember they. Oh, it was yeah. That's right. Because it
0: was. I thought they were the ones that destroy the tree, but no, no, no. Juggling, no, no. Yeah, Somebody else right.
1: destroys it because they're like. That's right. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to that. Don't don't worry. We'll talk more about that uh here in a bit. Right. But <laughs> yeah. So yeah.
0: I was just kind of saying, with Psyche, he's the reason why all of these um all of these threads converge and we don't really go to Shohei and Yui until the stuff on Kanon wraps up. Mhm. So we see help me out here a little bit. Um you were saying that that he actually wanted the fruit?
1: If I remember uh, correctly, yes. It was something to do with, like, um, it would give the queen power or something. Okay. I don't remember exactly why he wanted it. I don't remember what, like, the purpose of getting it was other than, like, power. Right. But um, in essence, he wanted to control the tree itself. He didn't want to destroy it uh, because he needed it, more or less. Okay.
0: So, like I was saying earlier... Um, because of the nature of the show, it's really easy to get lost in the minutiae details. So we're not going to necessarily get most of these like tiny details 100% correct, but for this, we just kind of want to talk about the general flow of the story and then talk about certain moments that stood out to us. So at this point, once... Dr. Psyche's plan kind of starts doing what it do
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, eventually, juggler ends up destroying the tree to i guess protect
1: like his the thought pilot. is this tree is more trouble than it's worth. It's going to attract evil. And, like, by this point, he's, like, already come to this understanding, like, in order to, like, for his own sense of justice, this thing is better in nobody's hands, because ultimately he thinks that this people, these people, they're reliant too much on it, they don't really need it, and without it, there's nobody who's going to come here to attack them, and then also this way he's going to protect whats their face from having to become the war deity to protect it as well.
0: Right, so he destroys the tree, which... Basically, I don't think they knew this at this uh, the characters knew this. But basically Yggdrasil has put out its own seeds across the entire universe to different planets. And because of this telepathic link with Amate that Shoei has, when the that Yggdrasil was destroyed, the mm-hmm. seed on Earth starts sprouting and then a giant Yggdrasil starts growing on this Earth.
1: Right. And um, also, when he cuts it down, this is also the first time that we see that Juggler turns into his uh, kaiju form.
0: That's right. This is the debut of his... Uh, well, chron- chronologically, this is the debut of his monster form.
1: Right. Um, and interestingly, yeah, so... when we see him in this form, he doesn't have the crescent moon on his chest yet. Right. This is when... This is
0: when the series shifts and the characters go to Earth. Um and this is when we get the second opening. So I wonder if that the the second opening has any relation to the why I like
1: the second half of the show more? I Be- wonder if there's a correlation there. Because the other juggler or like jugglers Kaiju form showed up. Well, I mean, I'm also
0: a fan of the Gaia Agadoo stuff, which I'll move on to in a second. But I neglected to mention a very important part about Juggler. Um, because trying to organize how we wanted to talk about this, we we've gotten a little mixed up here. But we we forgot to mention the 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 Warrior Sisters, yeah. uh Mikoto and um what was the other one's name? Mikoto and Nika. They they're like guards of Amate but once Juggler and Guy get involved in what's going on with Amate and on Planet Canon, um those two start following around the group as well as Ultraman Cosmos and Ultraman Dino. Um, Was it Mikoto that, um, which one was which? (laughs) Um, Oh,
1: dude, you know how I am. uh, Mikoto
0: Mikoto is the one that had the relationship with Juggler. Um, Basically, she wanted him to train her with uh his sword fighting techniques Mm -hmm. and the whole time he kind of like pushed her away but in one of the fights i think this was the fight that they were on psyche's ship is that where she
1: dies i think her dying is the catalyst that causes him to cut down the tree so i think they were actually on the planet
0: I don't remember exactly how it works, but I do know that did happen before the tree cutting down because that's what he, he feels like the regret because he pushed her away that he was like, he kind of blames himself because of what happened to her, which I don't know how accurate it is, but he's pulling on that emotional weight and that's what kind of pushes him over the edge to where he actually gets the monster form, then moves on to him cutting down the tree, etc. Yeah. I just forgot to mention that major point. And it's, it's a major point because it's, it's a catalyst of how um, juggler becomes the juggler. We know him as,
1: you know what I mean? I mean that that is what I said, yes. Okay. My bad.
0: But yeah, so do we want to move on to the stuff on Earth?
1: Um did we miss anything important? Um Well, I do want to say one thing that's interesting in the transition. Um Cosmos and Gaia aren't in the second half they were only there and dina Dinah. Dina. my my mistake i get Dinah and gaia mixed up but yeah, yeah. yeah cosmos and Dinah were are not in the second half
0: yeah they're only in the first half and then we swap them out for gaia and aguru or agul depending on how you like to pronounce his name um he or both of those Uh, characters are portrayed by their actual actors as well. So they spent quite a lot on getting returning actors here on this series. Which is not Um, always the
1: easiest thing to do.
0: No, it's not. But this this right here, I think, is the reason why the second half is my favorite. Mm
2: -hmm. Because
0: not only do I like Gaia and Aguru, I really like the parallels that their relationship... Has on guy and juggler's relationship right, so
1: yeah, i that's one thing too is like you actually kind of see like how like oh, they were both in a similar situations, and um, I guess technically their relationship could have ended up more like them, but it did take a different path ultimately,
0: right, because Gaia and Aguru are really adversarial towards each other. And I haven't seen much of Gaia. I've seen a couple episodes here and there. It's definitely on the short list of ones I want to watch soon. But I like how they portray in this juggler. you The feelings of inadequacy or the resentment you have towards Gaia um Aguru has a lot of that towards Gaia. And if you could just overcome some of that, you could work together. But as we know, there's a different path that they follow.
1: Yeah. like It definitely is like the, like we're just like you, but this is how our story differs is essentially what happens.
0: Right. And I also just really like Aguru because he's like the water motif. And, um, I know you know this, but the listeners don't n- might not know this. Um, I've just got, I'm, I'm, a fan of that aesthetic. So he really like likes the
1: um the Atlantean aesthetic, essentially. Yeah.
0: So like, so like, fish monsters. I mean, as as uh, I've said, uh, Gusera and uh, Ragon are two of my favorite monsters, and then. Um, like my favorite DC heroes Aquaman uh, my favorite type for Pokemon or water type Pokemon I'm just I like that aesthetic
1: he's a wet boy
0: <laughs> oh boy um, Splish, splash. yeah so as far yeah. as as far as that it's a really interesting parallel do you have much more to add on that no, I think that pretty much covers that. Yeah. Um and then so as the new Yggdrasil grows on this Earth our cast, Sans Cosmos, and Dinah show up and we kind of have a round two on Earth. At some point, Amate actually becomes the war deity. I can't remember if that happens on Kanon or it f- happens first on Earth. Do you remember that?
1: I thought it happened on Kanon first, and then she turned back.
0: Okay, that might be the case. Because
1: I remember she became the war <laughs> deity more than one time, which was I feel like it was a big deal was because... Oh, didn't she wasn't the war of duty form actually directly related to the tree? And like that was like part of it like when juggler cut it down she turned back to normal. Or am I misremembering that?
0: That might be the case. I honestly don't remember. Um I'm I've reiterated this several times. I don't remember a lot of the minute details with this show and it's not because oh I've watched it so long ago. I watched it just a few months ago when uh I rewatched it a few months ago. It's just all of the details kind of bleed together. So if if I hadn't watched it like today, it's it's very difficult to pick out. But as far as the war deity and amante is concerned, we didn't mention this, but in the war of their their um civilization or whatever, basically the queen Uh, of the flying insect things is, like, the sister to the war deity.
1: Yeah, it's like they had some kind of, like, weird, um... Like, history together or something. Like, how, like, like the evil half of the coin of the, um, war deity and the, uh... Like, war deity is the good half and, like, the the evil queen is the, um, dark half.
0: Yeah, and I think it's supposed to, like, simulate, like, with the whole world tree thing, the the spring of life, you know, the whole good and evil opposite sides. I think it's supposed to like fill in with some of that like symbolism there. Mm-hmm. But as far as the story is concerned, at one point she tries to
1: like sympathize with the queen. Or oh, at least I think I'm remembering power of the plot. Wasn't it like that not so much they wanted the tree, it was they wanted the war deity because like she wanted to assimilate her or something like that, right? So and that's how she reached her ultimate form. And like the tree maybe... was necessary to become the war deity? I think I mentioned that before.
0: Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think so. I think you're right. But I do know um they tried to she tried to like telepathically connect with her, but they ended up like corrupting her.
1: Yeah, because the queen was like making it seem like she wasn't really wanting to be evil. And then like they finally connected and it was like, Ha gotcha, and she captured her.
0: Right. And at one point in time, the doctor uh see Dr. Psyche was kinda like orchestrating all of this this whole time. Mm-hmm. Or so we thought, you know, because the queen wasn't actually under Dr. Psyche's control. He just thought she was, and they were, and she was using him.
1: And yeah, then she they were mentally squirting. connected, too. Like, he had invented, quote unquote, a device that let them be mentally linked, but right. ultimately they weren't mentally linked, I don't think. Like, it was just a. Well, you can give me commands, but I'm in, I'm really in control, and you just think you are.
0: Right, and then ultimately she kind of absorbs him, and gains her um like final form of the Psy Queen. You remember
1: that? Yeah, I remember that. I thought uh, she absorbed the war deity, and that's how she got that form. I thought Or
0: Psy- Doctor Psyche was involved
1: in that. I mean, I think he was. I do remember him getting absorbed.
0: But uh, I, think, um,
1: I think maybe she, they both. Dr. Psyche. I think, no, Dr.
0: Psyche fuses with the, the Queen uh, Betazub and um, becomes Psy Queen. Which I don't know how much it was like his choice at that point because he realized, oh, he wasn't in control and now he's in trouble. And then she kind of turned and was like, no, you work for me instead of me working for you.
1: Okay. Okay, so she wanted to fuse with the war deity, but she did end up fusing with Psyche to create the Cyclone ultimate form. Um, and if I remember, they did want the fruit from the tree, but ultimately they used the tree's fruit to cure the kukujutsu or whatever. Kukutsu. Kukutsu, yeah. Because that was like the cure, ultimately, because it was all linked or something like that. Right. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah, so that, more or less, they defeat him, kind of ties it up in a bow. Good guys win. Flies off. Uh, guy goes back to the mountain. The caliber is like, "Hey, congratulations! You did your mission. Uh, now you can have black on your costume and go to do, do a new mission."
1: <laughs> and by this point, of course, uh, juggler has already like left. Been like, "I'm going to walk my own path now."
0: Exactly.
1: So it kind of ends
0: there. And at this point, I'm like. With a few episodes left, I'm like, okay, when are they going to fit in Natasha into this plot? And then we kind of get to this point, I'm like, oh, we're not doing the Natasha thing at all, are we? No. Nope, we're not.
1: It's assumed so, a lot more still happens, because, um, heck, Juggler's still not even the, the same Juggler we see when we finally see him in the show. Like, his, exactly. like, really over-the-top and almost cracked personality hasn't surfaced right. yet. He was still, like, edgy and brooding by this point.
0: Right, uh, but yeah. As far as series as a whole, I enjoyed this series. It's not perfect. There are pace. I guess, I guess you could call it pacing issues. I'm more or less speaking on how, um when we, how I mentioned when we swapped to like the Earth scenes. Right, the first half of the starring.
1: shows Earth scenes were a bit um. Jarring, I guess. I think that's the word you used, but like, yeah, they almost felt out of place and like they shouldn't have been where they were. Right. So it's not a
0: perfect show by any stretch of the imagination, but it's definitely an enjoyable show.
1: And it it does add a lot to the plot of the, um, the main series. Would I say it's necessary
0: to enjoy Orb as a whole? No, I wouldn't say that at all but what i would say is if you would like to learn more on the relationship between guy and uh juggler this does an excellent job of kind of ex uh, not experiencing kind of um like showcasing their their relationship and we get to see it shift
1: as the series goes along. Um, I would actually disagree with you on this point. I would say Origin Saga is absolutely necessary because, um, not so much for Orb itself, but like for some of the not. Well, I would say not even the extra because, like in Zet, um, w- when we finally start actually getting some of the interactions from Juggler, uh, he actually starts talking about things that happened in Origin or. or- or origin saga and then even to a more extent of like the extra content the last um the galaxy fight that we had uh the one versus uh what, what was it called oh uh, yeah
0: that's right i forgot she was in that yeah uh, she was in it absolutely the absolute conspiracy
1: yeah the absolute conspiracy she's well when i okay. say she's in it she's not really in any relevant part she just kind of makes a cameo and it's implied yeah. that she's gonna be having a bigger role in the next version iteration of this right, but um but I would like I said, I would argue that it is absolutely necessary for getting all of the pieces of this puzzle that's slowly going on in the ultraman multiverse or whatever.
0: That's a good point, that's a good point um I guess I could uh kind of revise that statement. As it's not necessary for Orb, the series proper, to get full enjoyment out of it. But if you want to enjoy all of Ultraman's expanded, continuous universe, then there are necessary elements in there.
1: I would agree with that statement.
0: Okay. Yeah, so let's kind of like wind this down a little bit. Um, Why don't we say like what, what was your either favorite moment or favorite scene or just something that Um, stuck out to you in this series?
1: Well, Oh, well, there's also one thing I wanted to touch on, too, I completely forgot about. I meant to ask. Um, Juggler gets his sword in this series. But it's not explained in this series why it's important, right?
0: Remember if he got the sword or if he had already
1: had it. No, no, he got it because he didn't have the sword at first and he took it from the ship that the twins were on. Oh. Remember? Okay. Okay. And, like, it's implied that the sword is important. And I think you told me one time that we don't really get a lot of background info on that sword in any of the media that we got produced. Because it's not one of those, it was supposed to be talked on in the the 10 part. Um, okay. Stuff And, like, it never got made e- exactly.
0: It's been a while since I read that. So I don't remember specifically, but I'm going to reread that before we do an episode on that. And I guess I'll pull back the curtain a little bit here. I mean, I've, I've already kind of mentioned how we wanted to do this episode, but it's after we finish covering all of orb stuff, I want to do an episode where we kind of go through and it's like, all right, chapter one is orb origin saga. We covered that after that, we got chapter two. This is kind of what happened. This is all the information we know. um,
1: So we're going to do a clip show of the 10 parts.
0: Kind of. But because it's all, I guess, new information, specifically to you. But it's not, it's information from uh, unproduced media that's technically canon. So it, I would like to have it in like a listenable content as opposed to just saying, "Hey, everyone, go read this wiki," which I will link to the wiki so you can go and read it yourself. But I would, I would just like to be able to provide that for someone who doesn't necessarily want to consume that by reading.
1: Right, I got gotcha.
0: you. Um. But as far as your question's concerned, I don't remember. And when we get there, I guess we can see if that is true.
1: Okay. Alright then. Um then to answer your question about parts that really stuck out to me. Um I don't know. I remember like two of the scenes that I remember the best were um Juggler cutting down the tree. Cause that I, I feel like that really shows okay. Here's where, like, a huge divisive moment that even uh, is reflected in the orb is, like, happening. Now we can see, like, okay, so here's where the character's starting to branch. Right. It, which is interesting, because that's also where he first transforms. So it's, like, even, like, juxtaposing him getting his form with the uh, the breaking... Well, not say breaking character, but the shift in character. Right. And then, um... And then, like, also, I thought really standing out was uh, when Juggler has this conversation with Agaloo. Mm-hmm. And how it um, really shows, like, well, it almost seems like he was, like, just on the precipice of not going to the evil side and, like, like, really resonating with him. But ultimately, he did choose to walk a different path than what he did walk. Right.
0: And as far as my favorite... That's exactly what I was going to say, is that conversation, that scene where Agadu is really having a like heart-to-heart with Juggler, and you see in his like face that he's contemplating what he's telling him. He's like, um, he's really struggling with the idea of, is he right, or do I need to just do what I want to do? You know, like, it's... That connection Aguru has with Juggler, and specifically how his story really resonates with him, and also how they're parallel to each other. It it's just one of those moments where I'm like, oh, that's really cool. That that that's a really cool thing they were able to do. Yeah. Um, what would you say your least favorite aspect of this was?
1: I think I've already said it.
0: The, the tone, the, the, um, the, the, tone, the, the, the weirdly, um, thing and, uh, yeah,
1: the weirdly timed human parts or earth parts.
0: And I, I would probably second that. Oh, um, you
1: know, hold on. I say that, but I think honestly, like there's still a bit of, well, it's important and I do like it in some ways. Cause at least I thought about it. But right. the whole subplot with that one guy being uh, possessed for a little while, like, it completely left my mind because I didn't care about it.
0: The male warrior guy? Yeah, the male warrior. We totally didn't even mention him because it's
1: not in the, not important enough. Yeah, like, I was going to say that. I was like, really, that is like the... At least the other part left an impression, good or bad. That part, I like, it was so uninteresting and like irrelevant I, like I didn't even remember it. Like it is relevant in some ways, but then it's like a yeah. whatever.
0: And and the thing is too like I mentioned him in the character uh section, but I totally forgot to even elaborate on why he's even in the story. I think I think what it is is because it's it's important for Mikoto and Rika, their relationship with him.
2: Yeah, because they serve directly that under him. Tra-
0: yeah, and then that kind of translates with how the relationship with Juggler goes. So it's important in like the character aspects, but as far as like the overall story, we really just kind of ignored it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I guess my least favorite aspect is kind of what we were saying earlier about the.
2: The it weird kind of just felt or jarring.
0: Yeah, it kind of felt jarring, um, but kind of looking back on it, separated from watching it, um, the le- the the thing I dis or not disagree with the thing that I dislike the most about the show is just how difficult it is to kind of recall what happened because other shows I've had where it's like, Oh, I can point out exactly how this happened and that stuff and this, but it's just, I think it's just that there was so much happening in a very small amount of space because there was only like 12 or 13 episodes. Yeah. And there was way more plot in this than, any other Ultraman series.
1: Even like a full-form one. (laughs) Yeah. So like,
0: Like, yeah. It's just that they were trying to fit in so much in a small amount of space that it's just, it it gets, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I'm trying to say it gets hard to follow because I mean, Mm, I think what you're trying to say, it
1: gets cumbersome. It's like there's so many things that are going on at one time that you clearly do care about. Like, all, like here, it's very, I think even apparent after like listening to um, what we've been spouting on about for the past hour. Like me and you, we really cared about the guy versus juggler aspect and like what was going on there. While mixed in bits about the War Deity stuff and the um, the Cy Queen stuff it was like secondary, but we were still interested in it. But even then, I was like, well, we clearly remember pretty well, like, what happens between Guy and what happens between Juggler. And, like, even the other Ultraman stuff, like, I, I would feel like we remembered those bits very well as well. Because, like, here's something else we didn't even really talk about. Um, we didn't talk about Guy's mentality as being a fresh Ultraman at all. But totally in the first half, like, he has a heart-to-heart with Cosmo about how, like, he feels about the Kaiju. Damn! totally forgot about that as well
0: yeah you're Mm -hmm. right about that yeah um cosmos as you know is he he was very much um let's try to not in this with violence which he did like kill kaiju if he had to but it was it wasn't his first choice Mm -hmm. and 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 with um guys kind of hesitation as a new ultra you know having that that mindset from uh cosmos where it's like you know don't necessarily choose violence as your first choice you know if it has to come to it go so be it but just think about solving problems in other ways and I think that really translates, um, maybe not necessarily to how he actually fights kaiju in his series, because, I mean, he does just kind of like, oh, we're going to take him out, you know. But yeah. I think... It, but there were definitely think... times
1: where he didn't as well.
0: Exactly. Um, specifically, um, like, Ragon and that, that whole episode, uh, they spare the kaiju. Mm-hmm. and um, But my point being is i think it helps illustrate how he um treats juggler in the future because yes juggler is was his friend and he wants to try to save his friend but i would say maybe other characters would say oh um He's gone to the bad side. There's nothing I can do to stop him and choose violence as the uh, primary source or the primary uh, choice of action. He doesn't do that. He, he, all the way up until the last episode, he's trying to redeem his friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if, like, the words that Cosmos gave to him there had an effect on that, or I could just be looking into it a little bit more than I should, but I, I would like to I don't like know about
1: think... that per se, but I would say, like, it definitely shows in that one that how he, or, uh chooses to deal with situations going forward. Everything that he experienced in the Origin Saga does line up with that. It, like, because. Really, he learned and picked up something from just about every single ultra he talked to, except I would say for Agul, because Agul yeah. was more for uh, juggler.
0: Right, and that—that's exactly why he was there. Was um to mirror that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add to this before we kind of wrap it up?
1: Um, I think that's it.
0: All right. Well, um, thank you so much for listening to this episode, guys. Um, uh, you can find us on Twitter at A to Z Podcast. Uh, you can find us on YouTube if you like to listen to your podcasts via YouTube. Just uh, search A to Z Podcast, or you can follow the link in the description. Um, send us an email at a gazette podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, we would like to hear uh, what you think about episodes. Give us feedback. If you have any questions, if you have questions you want us to answer on the show, um, feel free to put in the subject uh, that you would like it read on the show. Um. I think I covered it all. Um, obviously, follow uh, Swiss on Twitter and his Twitch streams and stuff. Uh, I don't know if he knew this, but I've been putting his links in the descriptions as
1: well. I didn't know um, that, actually. <laughs> no. Uh.
0: Yeah, it's in there. So, contact us. Let us know what you think. I, w- I would love to c- continue this conversation. With you all, and I guess that's it. Um, you want you got anything you want to say?
1: Mm, Let's see here. Insert something about uh looking for a brighter tomorrow and keeping your head held high. There we go. All
0: right, I guess that works, and everyone, don't forget to. Swatch out for the next one.